You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Christina Waldo, which is from our Gather Together series. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. Hello and welcome to Creekside. If you read your bulletin this morning, uh, you see my little blurb in there tells you how happy I am that you're here. Uh, And that is absolutely true because we are continuing our series in gathering. And if you're gathering, that means you're listening to what we're talking about. So give yourselves a high five. Yeah, perfect. And uh, you guys are great. So thank you for being here. I am genuinely so thrilled to have each and every one of you joining us this morning. And if you're new, welcome. We're fun, as you can tell. We know how to have a good time. Uh, Those of you who are joining us online, uh, in-house, let online know how much we love them. Absolutely. Thank you for choosing to gather with us online this morning. Again, just so happy and thrilled uh, that you guys have all chosen Creekside as your home. Um, Like I said, we are in the middle of a series on gathering together. You can see it up there, clear as day. Um, And I was kind of nervous when Pastor George asked me to step in today um, and be a part of this series. I was a little bit nervous, and not because of my usual nerves when it comes to being up here in front of you guys, um, but because being together, gathering, is a part of who we are at Creekside. It's, it's not just something that we like to do. It's not something that we just encourage you guys to do. It truly is the core and the DNA of who we are as Creekside Church. And so that's a big, that's a big topic for me to feel like I can communicate well to you. But here's the reality of what I know is going to happen today. I know that some of us will feel challenged today, like we did last week. I know that some of us will feel encouraged today, like a lot of us did last week. But ultimately, I pray that this message changes some of us, and in doing so, the kingdom of God will not be able to help but rejoice in the changes that, they see, the changes that are seen as we listen to what's going on, as we, as we really take hold of what gathering together means and as we really begin to understand what being a community of fellowship means, I genuinely believe that the kingdom of God rejoices in that. And so I pray today uh, that as we go through this message, that as we continue on in this series, that you may be changed, that you may be challenged, and that you may be encouraged in this. So if you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor Christina. With you. Awesome. That's wonderful. So we're going to kick off this morning, and I want everyone to think about this. I want you to take a moment and think about the habits that you may have. Think of some of the habits that you may have. And while you think about your habits, I'll let you know one of mine. I am a nail biter. Two, like textbook nail biter. These pretty things are because I pay a lot of money to have hard stuff put on my nails, so I don't bite them. I've done it since I was a kid, and I will bite them down to the bone. Doesn't matter why. If I'm nervous, I bite. If I'm bored, I bite. If I'm excited, I bite. If one of my nails breaks and it's uneven from the rest, I bite. (laughs) I bite my nails. It is a habit that I have. And I know you guys have habits. We all have them. Some of them are bad, and some of those are maybe the ones that came to your mind, but we have good habits too. Actually, habits are more deeply ingrained in our beings than you may give them credit for. Listen to this. Habits are our brain's way of increasing its efficiency. Our brain turns daily actions and behaviors into habits, so we would do them automatically and without too much thought. 
thus freeing up our brain power for other, more important challenges. This strategy for our brain has wonderful benefits for us. It allows us to function better in life. Just imagine if you had to consider and ponder every single task and every single reaction. You would be exhausted. You'd be, you'd be tired. You'd be beat. Now, some of my overthinkers, if you're like me, you're thinking, I do think about every, every task that I do. I do think about every reaction that I give. I'm thinking about it all the time, and boy, I am exhausted. But habits help us do the same thing. Habits help us kind of shift into autopilot. And good, bad, right or wrong, habits are extremely powerful. In fact, we know how, habit, how powerful habits can be because it takes 66 days before a new habit can take root in your heart. And I know some of you have probably heard in the past that it takes 21 days to form a new habit. Yeah, 21 days to get that habit kicking and moving and into action, but it takes three times as long for the habit that you're developing to take root in your heart and become an integrated part of your life. Now, with that little nugget of wisdom, cash that in, put it in your pocket, I'm going to offer you another one. Habits follow cravings as they seek reward. Habits follow cravings as they seek reward. For instance, you want to quit smoking. You've decided in your heart it's the thing to do. It's a habit that you're no longer interested in. You know that you have got to kick it. But if you really want to stop smoking and you don't address the cravings, you don't address the rewards that you receive contributing to your habit, then you are going to have an incredibly difficult time kicking the habit. In a similar way, as we desire to create new habits within us, new habits in our lifestyle, new rhythms of healthy behaviors, we need to address the underlying cravings and the rewards that we receive from those habits. We need to know the why and the what before we start making changes. So ponder these questions with me, if you will. Do you crave healthy, God-honoring relationships with other people? Do you crave healthy and God-honoring relationships with others? Do you generally desi genuinely desire a consistent and a powerful prayer life? Are you hungry for a deeper understanding of the word and the teachings of Jesus? Friends, what would our faiths look like if we really craved to be in fellowship with each other? If we really craved to, to be in communion with one another? If we really craved being together and worshiping with one another? And what would our faiths look like, friends, if we prayed and were passionate about praying with one another? How could a healthy rhythm of gathering in fellowship with other believers help you to develop the habits of faith that you've been wanting, or dare I say craving, for so long? How could a healthy rhythm of gathering in fellowship with other believers help you develop these habits that you've been craving for so long? Well, for these answers, I want to point us to the early church. The early church had it going on. They knew to some extent what they were doing for being a bunch of people who didn't really know what they were doing. The early church had it going on. And the early church knew something, friends, about gathering together. 
that churches and communities today have looked to as models of faith. And we've, we've looked at this model for hundreds and hundreds of years, so I have to say that they had some insight and wisdom as to what we can do here in gathering together. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask for you to turn with me today to Acts chapter 2, verses 42. That's our main passage that we're going to be reading out of today. Um, and Acts 2:42 highlights several things that the early church was specifically devoted in doing whenever they gathered together. And as I read this passage, I want you to listen to what some of these things might be. It says in Acts 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Friends, if you're reading this verse and you heard that they are teaching, that they are fellowshipping, that they are sharing a meal, including communion, and that they are praying, then you are paying attention this morning. You are paying attention this morning. The early church was devoted to these things. They were devoted to teaching. They were devoted to being with each other. They were devoted to sharing meals and doing communion with one another, and they were devoted to praying together. These are the rewards, if you will, of a healthy rhythm, a habit of gathering together with other believers, and the early church was absolutely devoted to it. They had no question, it was unwavering that these were the things that they were gonna do whenever they gathered together. Now the word devotion, I wanna dig into it a little bit because the word devotion, I think holds a weightier impact than sometimes we give it credit for. Devotion is this, devotion is to consistently show strength which prevails in spite of difficulties, to endure and to stay fixed in a direction to be steadfast. That's what the word devotion means. And the church was unwavering in their commitment to gather together for teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. They were devoted to these things, friends, just as we should be. In fact, it says just a few verses later in Acts 2.46, the same word is used, devotion. It says that they continued daily in meeting together. They persevered. They continued to do it. They didn't do it just once and check the box and say, okay, we're good. Bingo card, go to church, check. I'm good. Knocked it off. No, they continued to do it together. They devoted themselves to it. In spite of difficulties, they gathered together. Being together wasn't just something that they did. Being together was who they are. And PG talked about that last week. Being together, gathering together isn't something at Creekside that we just do. Gathering at Creekside is who we are. And we'll talk more about that here later. But as a comparison, I want you to think about something that you are absolutely committed to doing in your everyday life. Think of something in your life, a habit that maybe you've created uh, or something that you are devoted to doing every day. Something that has become such a deeply ingrained habit that now it's just part of who you are. Think about that thing. Now, as you're thinking about that, understand that that is a product of unwavering devotion and a clear representation of what a consistent rhythm in your life will do. You have things. 
You have things that you're dedicated to. You have things that you are devoted to and that unwavering every single day you know that you will do it. That is a clear representation of what consistent rhythm will do in your life. Now look at that same habit. Look at that same thing that you do every single day. Is that the kind of habit that you want? Can that habit be different? What are the rewards that you're gaining from these habits? Now we said it, the the early church had four rewards that they were devoted to. The first one is teaching, teaching or learning. Now how, how many of you like to learn? Show of hands. How many of you lifelong learners? Yeah, lots of you. Amen, come on bunch of smart people in this room. We're learning in kids' church, which I'm the kids' pastor, so you got to know I'm going to give you some kids' stuff every once in a while, okay? So we're learning in kids' church this month all about knowledge, and knowledge is learning something new so you can be better at whatever you do. Knowledge is learning something new so you can be better at whatever you do, and who doesn't want to be better at stuff, right? I don't think I've met a single person who's like, ah, you know what, I'd actually like to be a little bit worse at something, so just... Knowledge, count me out. No, we all want to be better at the things that we do, and learning helps us do that. The reward of good teaching is learning. And learning the scriptures together with other believers was something that the early church was absolutely devoted to. But friends, I'm here to tell you that learning takes time, and it can be difficult. Learning requires your effort, and it requires your attention. It's not an easy thing, especially for my kiddos. Learning sometimes feels painstaking for them. But the reward, however, is a deeper understanding and deeper knowledge. I'm not sure that I could point to a single uh, Christ follower in my life who would say that they don't want a deeper understanding of Scripture, of faith, their faith, and ultimately of God, right? All of us who are in this relationship with Christ seek a greater understanding of scripture. Come on, somebody, revelations, hard to understand. Come on, I'm preaching to myself. No, we want a deeper understanding of scripture. We want deeper understandings of our faith. And ultimately, we want deeper understandings of God. Now here at Creekside, we know that you have those, those desires. We have those desires. And so we're getting ready to start 40 days in the word. If you haven't already, Stop over at Guest Central today. We have people ready to talk to you about it. Sign up for 40 Days in the Word. Why? Not because it's just another thing to add to your weekly schedule or another thing to put in the notebook or whatever you're doing. No, it's because you get to be here with other people digging in to the Word of God and what Christ says about you, about who he says you are, about how you're going to identify who he is in your life. Coming to 40 Days in the Word isn't just a chance to be together, although that's amazing. It gives us an opportunity to gather, but 40 days in the Word gives you a chance to dig deep into the richness of God's Word. And as we just learned, with good teaching, which what better teaching than the Bible, amen? With good teaching comes good learning. So join one of our 40 days in the Word, and if you have questions, you want to talk to a leader, stop over against Central Day, chat with somebody about it, but try to join one of these groups. Because not only that, it provides us a chance to be together gathering together, which we all know (laughs) it's an important part of being a part of Creekside. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we learned from Acts 2.46 that the early church was also devoted and unwavering in their daily meeting together. So yes, they did lots of teaching, they did lots of learning, but they were absolutely devoted in fellowshipping with one another, in meeting together daily. 
Now, I'm not here to set this unreasonable expectation for you that we are going to have a full-fledged service every day and you should be here. I know that that's not realistic for some of us, um, but what I do want to do is I do encourage you to get serious about getting regular in your time of fellowship with other believers every week. And you're doing it. You're putting in the work. You are here today and you are gathering, but I encourage you, keep your honest goggles on. Keep, keep looking at it through the lens of gathering weekly. We offer plenty of avenues to gather here at Creekside. Uh, CYC 180 for our youth students, that's an opportunity for them to gather. Creekside Kids and Kids Club, that's an opportunity for all of our uh, preschool, birth through fifth grade kids to gather. We are giving you opportunities there. Also, uh, Heart for the House, you'd like to come around and fix things. Jake would welcome you. He would love for you guys to come and be together doing that. I hear him in the back, amen. Uh, Creekside softball team, maybe you're not super sportsy. Who cares, come play softball because we're not that good anyway. It's just fun. <laughs> it's just fun to be together. There's the conversations that take place from being together. The spurring on that takes place from being together can happen here. It can happen at the softball field. It can happen in the classrooms. It can happen when I'm at elementary school. It can happen anywhere. It's just about being together. And again, Creekside groups, like I mentioned, 40 Days in the Word. We're getting ready to kick that off in February. It's six weeks that you can commit to gathering and being with each other weekly. Be together. The church, early church was devoted to it, and we should be too. They were also devoted to breaking of bread, communion. And you heard me speak a couple weeks ago about communion as we kicked off 2023. We were all here. We did a wonderful service of worship prayer, and communion. And even though I was a little bit emotional when I talked about it then, uh, it's because in communion is an important thing. It's an important thing, and, and those emotions came out of a place of just remembering the importance of communion. Here's why the early church was, was stubbornly devoted to breaking bread together. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians. It says, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and we had, when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, communion is about remembering Jesus. It's about remembering Jesus' life. It's about remembering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's about remembering Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. It's about remembering his blood, the marker of a new and final covenant between God and man. Communion is remembering Jesus' death, it's remembering his resurrection, and it is remembering his promise to return again for his church. That's what communion is. And these are the realities for the believer that we simply cannot afford to forget. And because communion is implicitly done with other people, it follows that we should celebrate and that we should remember Jesus by ourselves. 
No, friends, together. It follows that we should celebrate and that we should remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done together. Think about it, think about it like this. Our common union, the thing that brings all believers together around the world and through millennia, the one thing that ties us all together is Jesus Christ. And communion is our opportunity to remember him together every time we get together. What an amazing gift we have in Jesus, friends. Though through whom we share an eternal reward of salvation. It's a great gift. Hence the, the waterworks the other day. Now, on top of all of this, the early church was intimately, and like I said early, earlier, stubbornly devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Simply put, Prayers in exchange where we make our requests known to God, we cast our cares upon him, and God receives them. We could do an entire series on prayer alone, and I know that PG uh, has that on the docket lined up ready, uh, so I'm not going to bore you with my interpretation of it. I'll keep this part short, and I'll keep it succinct. It is a gift, friends, when we pray in a community. When we come together as a community and we pray, it is a gift. There is power when we pray together and when we make our requests known together. In fact, we're given a pretty clear outline from Jesus himself when he was asked, Lord, how do we pray? How do we pray? He was quick to answer. He was ready, and he knew that we needed an outline, so he gave us this in Matthew chapter 6. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I imagine many of you are probably pretty familiar with this prayer, right? Show of hands, everybody pretty familiar? Absolutely. I grew up in a, in a Catholic home that was mostly just said uh, around the Thanksgiving table, but I knew it. I've known it since I was a kid. All of us, many of us, know these words. And in fact, many of you probably had it memorized. I had it up on the screens for us, but many of you could probably just say this off the top of your head. One of the students this morning goes, that's the one that give us our daily bread prayer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> But how many, of, how many of us have ever stopped and looked at this prayer, read what it said in Matthew 6, and thought of the communal nature of these words? Jesus doesn't instruct us to pray using pronouns like my and me, but instead he uses pronouns like our and us. And for a world right now that is pretty concerned with pronouns, these are important ones. <laughs> these are important ones. Jesus is calling us to step out of the me-centered life that we choose to live, and he's telling you, you're gonna pray, and you're gonna pray with other people because that's what I'm about. I'm about community, I'm about togetherness. So he instructs us to pray using words like our and us. The most famous prayer of all time is a communal prayer. 
If not meant to be spoken aloud in the midst of fellowship with other people, it is certainly meant to be spoken with fellowship in mind. There's power when we pray with one another. And when we are committed to praying with one another when we come together. We encourage you guys every week to fill out these connection cards because we want to pray with you and we want to praise with you. That's because us as a staff here at Creekside, we understand and we know the power that comes when we get to pray together. So we sit in a room of seven of us and we take these connection cards and we pray over them. We intercede for you on, beha- on your behalf and we ask God to partner with us to change your lives because you are diligently asking for prayer. You are obediently asking God to show up. You're making your requests known and we are partnering with you in praying for those things because prayer is important. And prayer is important to do together. Yes, God hears you when you're praying in, in, your, in your war room, in your secret place, when you're by yourself but how hard is it to avoid 150, 200 shouting voices all praying in one accord for one another, with one another, and about one another? It's hard to ignore. So we're gonna take time right now. We're gonna get the the Lord's Prayer back on the screen and we're gonna read it aloud with one another. Understanding the communal nature of it and that Jesus, when he gave us these instructions on how to pray, he was saying, you will do this together. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do this together. We're going to read the words of Matthew 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. As we wrap up today, I want to take a minute and I want to revisit something that PG said last week. You guys might remember that he was, he was preaching out of Hebrews 10, 10, 25, where it talks about some people who have developed this habit of not meeting together. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. He also said that for all the benefits that we receive in fellowship, it's far more deeper than just that. I said it at the beginning of this sermon. He said it last week, and we're going to repeat it right now. We gather together because it's who we are. Why do we gather together, church? Because it's who we are. When adversity comes to our doorstep, when things don't go our way, when we're confused, frustrated, and angry, when we're on our knees, pounding our chest, yelling out to God, please, Jesus, meet me here. We're able to join with others in fellowship and we get to spur each other on towards love and good deeds, not because it's something that we have to do, but it's because who we are. We get to do it because of who we are. And even so, being part of our DNA, we still get to experience numerous and wonderful benefits when we come together and we gather. 
I know that you, you guys believe that, right? You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't continue to come here and be a part of this place with these people if you didn't believe that, if you didn't know that not only are you receiving benefits and the rewards that come from being together, but on some level, it's who you are. You want to be with people together, with other believers, spurring each other on, encouraging one another. It's who we are. We learn we remember, we fellowship, and we pray. That just names a few things that we do here at Creekside. And these are just a few things that the early church was absolutely committed to practicing, and I've got to believe that they knew a thing or two about habits needed to preserve faith and life through all of its difficulties. Because I know we face difficulties here, but they were just, they were the church getting off the ground. I have to believe that they know a thing or two about persevering and that we can look to them as an example. So here's my challenge for you this week. This is my challenge for you. Identify some of your habits and rhythms. Good, bad, or indifferent, identify them. See what makes you tick. What are the things that you do every morning, every night, without fail? I know some of you ladies got skincare routines that are 72 steps, wash, rinse, and repeat. I know you have habits. Identify. Identify those things, habits and rhythms in your life. And after you've identified them, what is positive about them? Point out what things are positive about those habits or what would you change about them? Is there anything about that habit that you would change, that rhythm that could be altered? And if you're not in a rhythm of gathering with other believers on a regular basis, I ask you to consider why. I ask you to consider why this week. Are there things keeping you from fellowship with other people? Are there past hurts past wounds that you're still looking, that you're still healing, that you're still nursing back to to health? Are there other things that are robbing you of the rich rewards of a life lived in fellowship with other believers? If there are, ask God to help move those things. God moves mountains. You don't think he can move a little fear in your heart? You don't think that he can heal a, a wound inflicted years ago? We serve a God that's so big, friends. Identify those things and ask God to change some of it. Move out of the way what's not of him and what's holding you back from being in community with people who love and care and want to be a part of your life. And again, 40 days in the word. I sound like a broken record, but it's because it's important. Give it a a try. See if this is the place where not only are you going to be in community with other people, you're going to know somebody else's name by the time you leave. You're going to know something else about somebody who you didn't know before. You're going to love somebody a little bit deeper, a little bit different. Yeah, you're going to do that, but you're also going to dig into the richness of the word of God. You're going to gain new insights, new wisdoms from God's word, this book that is amazing and provides wisdom that only can come from here and divine revelation from Jesus. Join a group for 40 days in the word. Connect with people and connect with the Lord. I ask that you stand with me while we close today in prayer and in a song of worship. Lord, I am so amazed 
that we get to be in a relationship with you, God, that we get to come to you broken, wounded, hurt, with little left to give, God, and you take that and you make beautiful things from it. You take us as broken people, you put us together in one big melting pot, God, and you create wonderful things. You create relationships, Lord. Relationships that are bound together by you, uh, an understanding of who you are and what you do in our lives, God. Thank you for those relationships. God, I thank you for each and every moment that we get to step onto this campus and be met with somebody who cares about us and loves us, not because they have to, but because you do. God, I pray this week that as each of us evaluates the habits in our life, God, we make it a point not just to go to church more, but to be in fellowship more, to be with one another, spurring one another on, encouraging one another, and digging into all that you have for us, God. I pray that there, if there are roadblocks that we've put up, God, human devices that are getting in the way, God, I pray that you would break down those walls that you'd break any barrier and that you would tug on the heartstrings of those people who need to be connected in something like a 40 Days in the Word or a Creekside group or Team Creekside or whatever it looks like, whatever the avenue to get them connected. God, I pray that you would illuminate it right now. And I thank you that you are a God of togetherness, that you are a God of unity, that you are a God who seeks to bring us all together with one another, not so we can be better as people, but we can be better as lovers of Christ, as doers of the word, and as the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, we enter this time of worship ready to offer everything that we've got. And God, I pray we would walk out of here changed and ready to be with one another. We pray this all in your awesome and mighty name. And everybody said... Amen.